This is The Beige and the Bold, and today we are watching Homeward. I am Van Velding, and I watched this episode when it originally aired. And three, two, one, engage. Wow, Homeward. Wow. What can I say? But wow, it was so hard to get people to remember that this episode existed. Absolutely nothing happens here. It's a fascinating revisit of the cultural observer job that we've seen happen on other pre-warp planets. So there's that. Oh, we got plasmonic. It's plasmonic. It's like plasma, but from demons. They don't talk about the demons too much in Star Trek The Next Generation. But what with all the goddamn ghosts they have, you're going to get some demons. They just go together. There's a ratio. There's a four to one ratio. Four ghosts, one demon. The demons get in the plasma, you get plasmonic. What does it do? What does it mean? Uh, it means it means the, 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 you got a season seven episode that goes. Look at it, it just hit us. The the dissipation effect is giving us plasmonic energy burst, and you all know how bad that is. For the everything. Look, can't you drive guys just drop uh you know fifty mile long cable? copper cable to the ground so that you don't get these power surges it just goes boop right to ground can you guys do that please at all or if it's like look we're gonna use that same set that we have done for many observation post things in the past but I'm not like him i do like records like ah it's not like him to leave his post like they've circled back around like they've met this guy before like there's a little familiarity here which is not based solely on him being Worf's brother. It's a small federation, man, and the things they do, you know, the things they do, they, they form these close relationships. It's not this big fleet of thousands of ships across hundreds of worlds where nobody really knows what's going on. Everything's cold and detached. That's what it becomes later, because that's how Americans see America. But, you know, that's, um, that's what we got now. Worf is going to go get a quick surgery to a beer Borlanian. Borlanian. And then bada bing bada boom is going to be down. Feels like they would have planned that a little bit in advance. But here we are. We're getting a little bit of up to speedness with Worf and his human brother that we have never met. Crush makes a great point. You really haven't talked about this guy. Because he has not one, he has an older brother who is a human and a younger brother who is Klingon. So, I love that Worf is like, Nikolai has a mind of his own. And that is the most scathing, <laughs> that is the most scathing insult Worf can give of a guy. It's like, buddy, your Roman Catholic is showing. Seriously. Just, there's a lot of great qualities, but uh, oof, being able to blindly follow orders without a single individual thought... Kind of a weak point, if I'm honest with you. Nikolai Rojinko is a fascinating character, as we will discover as the episode goes on. But Worf, clearly not stoked to be working with his brother. Me, I would be unstoked about that hoodie. That is not a natural hoodie. These guys designed... The fuck did they design? What is this clothing even? Quilted squares in pieces? It is pretty cool that in this milieu, 
Worf, who's played by black actor Michael Dorn, and his brother Nikolai, who's played by some other guy, don't have it to hand, who is uh, kind of white, who's like, whoa, that's my brother, and there's no questions asked. On the right, that is Penny Gerald Johnson, I believe, who will be better known for playing Cassidy Yates in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Good to see her doing a little bit of work here. Star Trek, again, practicing its great tradition of reusing actors that it likes. Also, I don't know if that light is, you know, of the people of the, the caves that they're... Not people of the caves, the people that now live in caves. I don't know if it's technology indigenous to that planet or if it is an anachronism. So, I don't know if they cover it. Clearly, Worf's brother and this global plasmodic energy bullshit, which was supposed to have killed all of the pre-warp people of this planet... Worf's brother saves some of them, violating the shit out of the Prime Directive. Because the Prime Directive says, look, we don't want to exploit anybody. We don't want to beam down and then use them or their labor for shit. But also, their unique culture and development, not influenced by us, could is diverse. And that is worth having in the universe. There are very utilitarian concepts of they might develop a type of warp travel that we didn't think of or a type of replicator or some other technology or technique or perspective on the world that we don't have and, and if we influence them that we we denude their ability to create original things in a vacuum because then they will just say oh well if all this is if all this is possible and it looks like this then we will just remake that or we'll just adopt that. And it, it takes innovation out of the galaxy, which is bad. But more importantly, it takes diversity out of it. A different perspective and a different type of society to analyze and to understand. A new way of existing that can only be produced from an authentic society. Um, it is also to prevent colonialism. And there's a lot to unpack in terms of colonialism with this. The Federation says rather than be colonialist or to have an adulterated original society, we will let these people, these sentient thinking people, die. And I don't know what to think about that. Clearly, it seems like a dick move. And I think if, if you were to project the, oh, well, they're going to die, we need to save them. What do you do? Do you, do you lock them in a cave for 100 years with a, a scientific device? With no food? No means of sustaining themselves? Do you put them in a zoo? Do you put them in a zoo? Thank you. Goddamn phone message. Um, so, so do you put them into a zoo? Is that what you do? Do you put them onto a different planet? Do you just go down and euthanize each one of them? Do you document their society like, hey, how do you? Do you just welcome them to the stars? Like, hey, look, obviously, that's a mulligan, man. Your society's not going to be independent or educated. You just hit the dead end. You know, I'm going to reach down. I'm going to pull you up. We're going to take you to a special school. And you guys are going to create your own society that just went from stone knives and bearskins to apocalyptic event to you live in the future now. Good job, man. Would that be the end of the Federation? Is that exploitative? Is that terrible of them? Are there any resources that the Federation is is creating? Are they making them into second-class citizens? I don't think that's terrible. 
So now, now, now we got to reconcile this because Nikolai Rozhenko has to deal with it. Like he's violated. They don't call it the Prime Directive because they love Optimus Prime so much. Um, it's because it's a really important directive. The the very strong impulse not to use other people for their own ends is core to what the Federation is. And a lot of people on the internet are like, oh, hey, it's just colonialism. Oh, it's the same thing, but they're nice about it. No, no, no. These people would rather not discuss, not interact with the civilization, rather than to adulterate its its sovereignty, its original perspective, its authentic and unique perspective on how to exist and how to live. They respect that. They respect that as their highest priority. And the same snarky people like to say, oh, well, they'll just let them die. It's like, yes, they will let it die. And it's legitimate to criticize that. This is what this episode is about. They would let these people die rather than deal with an adulterated version of their authentic society in in the interest of letting nature take its course, which is an appeal to freaking nature, in which, which case they should land the ship, get out, start pooping in the woods with no toilet paper. If you're that interested in letting nature take its course, you're not interested in letting nature take its course. You are interested in exploring the galaxy and building things and in some measure of progress with and a nod to nature. These people are not transhumanist at all in this series. And they say, hey, look, we're crappy shit humans with, the, with you know, meat wrapped in skin, draped onto some goddamn bone. That is worth something. Our shitty minds and our crappy impulses and our fucking tiny weird dicks. Like, no, that, that's worth something. That's important. We could all be in perfect robot bodies like Data. But we're not in it because our crappy perspective is worth existing with, grappling with, overcoming, and, if you can believe it, occasionally satisfying. The weird impulses of our biology are a fascinating way in which the galaxy has blindly created something diverse and different. And the best way to appreciate that diversity is to immerse ourselves fully in those crappy meat sacks. And when I say crappy, I mean literally, there's a lot of poop in there. Even after you poop, there's still poop. There's always poop. So this guy's a freaking genius, isn't he? So he's going to use the carrier signal from his sociological studies to fool Data and the Enterprise and beam up these people and beam them right into a holodeck with a perfect recreation of their motherfucking caves in such a way that they don't even goddamn notice. Look, People give some shit to Star Trek Insurrection, which is kind of a not great movie. But this episode does the same thing. And the thing is is that I play into that, but um, no one is going to go, oh, I'm going to ham, I'm going to go full ham on Insurrection about what a crap movie it is and turn around and defend Homeward. No one's defending Homeward. This is not like the thing in, oh, oh shit, it's also Insurrection. In Insurrection, they mass relocate people, and Picard's like, no, this is wrong. And then in another episode later this season, they mass relocate people, and Picard's like, eh, that's orders. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's so fucked up. Apparently, they fucking killed people. They just fucking killed motherfuckers. And Alexander Rodinko's like, that's fucked up, dude, which I'm like, you know, same. They turn off the little fields, 
in the plasmonic apocalypse of the planet. Ooh, that looks bad. Um, destroys those people, and Picard's like, well, Prime Directive. And we're real goddamn sad about it. It would have been good, perhaps, in this episode. Oh, and Picard's like, number one, you deal with this. I'm going to be aggrieved. And Riker's like, I too, I too am aggrieved, bitch. <laughs> uh... Because, like, yes, but I'm going to be aggrieved in my ready room. Like, y'all know this ain't right. There's got to be a third way. And we're definitely given a very binary read on the Prime Directive here. We've done this before a little bit with these Star Trek Season 2 episode Pin Pals, where Data tries to save a little girl called Sherjinka. She is red. Um... And they're going to die because of dilithium stuff. And they do things, I think... Wesley has a B-plot that ends up they can do things to alleviate the dilithium bullshit happening to Sharenka's planet to quell the tectonic events happening on it, which seems like a violation of the Prime Directive. But, anyway. Oh, man. Worf is braver than anyone ever thinks he is because he's willing to barge into this holodeck. He is ready to see some <laughs> straight up in the air. He's like, oof, whatever it is, whatever it is, I'm ready for it. It could be fucking a room full of Mocklins. I don't know, but I'm going to deal with it. Worf is a man of strong fucking characters, is what I'm saying. Unfortunately, it's far more disappointing than that. He doesn't have to lose respect for a fellow crew member by, by seeing their fetishes. He has to understand that his brother... Ah. Uh, got his... Up with the Prime Directive. Just... It. it with the... Ah. Uh, Like the Prime Directive had a prom night. This is no good, guys. It just, we've seen people be transported before, and they're aware that they're being transported, right? It's not like some kind of crazy, obscure thing. We're like, oh, I, my consciousness ceased once I began being transported. Whatever the transporter system is, people seem to be conscious and motile in the, in the process of it, which fucks with me personally. But, um, it just seems like the Belorians would have been like, I, uh, wait, that, what just happened? Did everything just taste purple for a second? But no. I like that he's explaining his master plan where it's like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. We're going to the brig now. Uh, I just want to let you know that we're going to the brig. Why is the elevator different? For six goddamn seasons, they had a little orange square and they moved a little thing behind it. And that was the freaking turbo lift I'm moving indicator. And now they got the little lines over their fucking shoulders? What is that? What is that? I have many questions. This isn't even, I think, a precursor to the Voyager Turbulence. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google right now. USS Voyager. Uh, Voyager Turbo Lifts. I should have done this beforehand. It doesn't look because they turn all of this into void. Uh, it looks a little like it. It's a little bit like it. The seedling, the dome starts a lot higher in the Voyager turbo lifts from this picture. But they do kind of have the lines, though. No, I, I just don't see it. I don't, I don't see it. I don't see what the deal is. Yeah, this is a fascinating question. This is something I call, um, you know, managerial negligence, which is manager says to worker, hey, achieve X metric. And worker goes, how? Manager goes, I don't care if I can do it. Just don't break the rules. Uh, hit the metric. 
And of course the worker has to break the rules because every other worker is breaking the rules to beat the metric. We could also call this the Wells Fargo managerial model. Um, you know, from the time where all of their employees started opening up bank accounts in the names of their customers and what would be fraud for a person, but which is just a whoopsie doodle for a company. And so what we have here is that Nikolai, well, okay, also there was a time that Wells Fargo um, gave people auto loans and signed them up for Wells Fargo insurance without their knowledge um, and without actual Wells Fargo insurance coverage. And those people also had coverage through another company. And so they would pay double for insurance, but sent it to Wells Fargo. And that was also fine. And so the deal is they say, hey, look, um, we don't want to um, save the prime directive, but we won't outright murder people. Oh, and there was also the time that Wells Fargo, uh, in the midst of all this, um, their stockholders talked to their CEO and they're like, hey, there's no other um, scams waiting in the wings. And the CEO who had commissioned an investigation into other scams that Wells Fargo had done had the report on his desk that said, yes, there are other scams. But the CEO turned to the shareholders and went, no, there are no other scams. They're getting sued for that right now. Anyway, so what Nikolai Ruzhenko done has been like, hey, look, we don't want to kill these people. Oh, right. The plasmodic energy bursts are affecting the ship's systems. Every time shit fucking fucks with the holodeck, the holodeck hulks out like it's the goddamn immune system of someone with an allergy response. It decides to become sentient, create life, kill a goddamn senior staff member, and then kill fucking God. But this time it's like, oh no, a weird thing happened to me. I can't make rocks anymore. Fuck you, holodeck. Fuck your goddamn plot convenient bullshit failures. What I'm saying is that the Federation has the prime directive. And what if Nikolai Ruzhenko or anyone else were to say, I'm going to violate the prime directive personally in a way which harms this culture and which forces the Federation to interfere with their development in some way, because the Federation can't murder these people by sending them back to the planet, that would be hilarious. That would be just a fantastic ending if the Enterprise is like, uh, right, so we're just going to beam them back down to the cave, suddenly everything will be smoky, and then they will die, and we're just going to keep doing Starfleet stuff. Pew, 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 finger guns. Um, they could do that. I think that would be consistent a little a little difficult to watch in a family-friendly television show, um, but yeah, right. So they're they're in a they're in a position where, short of doing that pretty heinous thing, uh, they have to interfere with these people's society in one way or another. We're going to get to their actual solution and why it's fucking nonsense, but we're not there yet. Just go well. If we're going to do this, we might as well exploit them. What if we have uh, a big war and there's an alien, alien society and wow, they could be really helpful in that war. And there's a guy who's looking at them and he's, he's studying them. He's like, oh, wow, these guys were to join the Federation. That would help us in our big war. That's a threat to our existence. And so they, and so he does that and he spreads the religion of Picard or the Federation or whatever. And he's like, here's your new warrior society. We've Nazi'd them up. We've introduced them to Nazi principles. They're great soldiers. They want to go to war with whoever it is the Federation's fighting. And they go, wow, damn. Well, you're in trouble. We're going to ground you. You're going to go to prison for a couple years. Maybe death sentence, maybe life in prison. No telling. But um, this army has achieved space flight. 
they are willing to fight for us. I mean, mm, boy, the guys, he's got to go to prison, but he got a whole army out of it. It seems like our ends have been met. We punish the guy. Sunrise, sunset. What are we going to do? Take away warp travel from them and rehabilitate their society to be not Nazis? I mean, that's just interfering too at this point, isn't it? And that is the exact same principle as beaming these people back down to the planet. I mean, admittedly, beaming them back down to the planet is more of a cul-de-sac because that society just goes, stops existing. I'm not a nerd who needs to be like, why don't you get Reg Barkley in this episode? He's good with a holodeck. I mean, look, it's going to fail, okay? It doesn't matter who's fucking working on it. The plot needs the holodeck to fail. Worf makes a really good save, because Worf should be a lieutenant commander, for God's sake. And then, um... We get back on with the thing. These primitive, superstitious people. What do we have to learn from them, Nikolai Rojinko? And <laughs> Nikolai's like, you and I have a lot in common. Because, like, yo, dude, I was ordered here and they know me. And because everyone else in the goddamn world is dead, I ha- it has to be me who comes back here. So, there are 15 people in the world, man. So many, qu- like, what is that gene pool like? What is the gene pool like going forward? I mean, can you imagine what the DNA of these people is going to look like in a hundred years? Okay. We are traces of human. Total bottleneck for the species, and our DNA is like nothing else on this planet? What? They are fucking these people, scientifically, in a lot of goddamn ways. And after thinking it over, I believe the absolute right course of action is to go up, shake their hand, and say, Hey, look, we're from space, your planet's dead, welcome to the Federation, here's your ID card. Here's how you vote. <laughs> I mean, look, look, they have to be somewhere. You and every other solution destroys their culture anyway. Um, I I say just let them be their be their own people with their own unique culture in the Federation. Give them a colony, and just be like, hey, peace out. Maybe maybe they don't want to continue co- being in contact with the Federation. Maybe they cut them off. Maybe the Federation fades into the um the the mists of history for these people and they have their own society anyway on the planet where they don't share any dna that's fine i think you should give them the choice this cloak and dagger lie to them for their own good bullshit seems excessive um and i I don't think it preserves the prime directive at all i think you're i think this kicks the can down the road it hides everybody and they don't see it and we can kind of ignore it if there was one case where you could stop the star trek episode call starfleet command and go okay here is what fucking happened. You are not going to believe this goddamn shit. Nikolai Rozinko, who is not a member of my crew, fucking, oh, this sounds bad when I say it out loud. He fooled my sensors and my android and beamed people up and put them into my holodeck uh, without me knowing. This is what happens when you give Chief O'Brien to Deep Space Nine. And so they should be dead, but they're not. And we kind of want guidance on what to do here. We are so we are so balls deep in the prime directive violations at this point. We just need to ask for forgiveness, and we need you to tell us what to do. We need to consult a higher power. Is there a we need a, a young Federation Council member and an old Federation Council member? 
maybe maybe have a uh, not a plurality, uh, fucking not a recall. You know what I mean when the, all of the people vote. Um, not a gubernatorial. Why is my brain not working? It's <laughs> we'd have the entire federation get together and vote on this shit because this was not our plan and we need some guidance. And could you also send us a ship with a working goddamn holodeck that was not subjected to the plasma of demons? For God's fucking sake. Jesus. Yeah, look, man. Something tells me that somehow we are going to be able to go back to your planet and get your scrolls. I don't think everything burned up. I think the atmosphere just became unbreathable. It is honestly super hard for me to focus on this piece of shit turkey episode. Actually, that's not fair. This episode's okay. It's a fine episode. Unremarkable. Oakley doakley. Not super great. Did he drop something in the holodeck? I feel like Worf could go around a corner and be like, Computer, give me the shit that guy dropped. Fucking, who gives a shit? War yeah, there you go. Worf, Worf, send him together. And then, no, he doesn't have to leave it behind. He doesn't have to leave it behind. It's still in the holodeck. If anything, it's going to make it harder for the holodeck to make holographic treadmills and shit around it. Just go around the corner, Worf, and just be like, hey... Oh, computer. Show me the thing the guy dropped. Can you just bring it here? Let, let, let me pretend like I have the force. You reveal it with... You get rid of all the lights and force fields. And then you just tractor beam it over to my fucking hand. And I can give it back to him. This means nothing to me. You people suck so much. These rustic people in their completely unoriginal ways. Oh, they had storms. Was it storms? I'm honest with you guys. Whatever cataclysm they suffered, it wasn't nuclear winter. It's goddamn, maybe fashion since winter. I I understand the the economic need to give all of the forehead aliens hoods, so they jump to put foreheads on them all the goddamn time. But uh, on the other hand, he looks so different. Michael Dorn does. I mean, it's different alien makeup. Um, but he still looks very different from Worf. Maybe it's the eyebrows. Maybe it's his natural human eyebrows that are different. Oh, man. It just seems like if your holodeck is breaking, you would stop, put a security guard outside of it, and just assume it was going to break. Because, uh, goddamn this shit. And the holodeck's just like, eh, whatever, man. Help yourself out. I don't give a shit. I don't know why he has a lamp. There's a lot of white light that's coming down. So. Because he's got a little bit of red light on his face, but there's so much white light from the top. Maybe it's fungus like a, like what in Skyrim. But whatever. Let's just get this inevitable tragedy over with. I mean, inevitable, fascinating turn of events over with as soon as possible. Why is the door to the holodeck semi-transparent? There are three little loops on it that I feel are normally pretty opaque. But in this case, they're transparent. And buddy, I gotta be honest with you. You do not want the windows in the holodeck to be even a little transparent. Not translucent. 100% opaque. Because people fuck in the holodeck. I know it's an old joke. It's not even funny. And it's not even like people making the joke aren't aware that Star Trek has already made that joke before. Like, it's part of this series. People fucking the holodeck. But, um... 
They do. Fuck. In the holodeck. It's not even original. Having that holodeck around the corner from Tin Forward seems, um... Wow, okay. <laughs> I just get buzzed, get buzzed, and be like, well, let's, let's go to a place to make out. I feel like you'd have several small holodecks outside of there, little make-out rooms, like study rooms, but for making out. Just making out, though. In the same way that you can't get buzzed from Tin Forward, maybe, uh... Maybe I don't want to get, like, full sex going on here. So anyway, uh, I, it's an interesting scene where everyone's, like, really concerned about him. And then Riker takes command. Deanna does empathic things. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good little bit. Because they know what's going on. No one else in the ship has a clue. Or if they did, if they did, if they did put it out, they're like, look, you can't tell it for. Because the thing that's happening this week is that... Some of us may have violated the Prime Directive, okay? It's not important who, Nikolai Rozhenko, the Prime Directive was violated, and we're trying to deal with that shit, okay? We're just, we're just coping, man. We're just coping. Um, I'm realizing now there's like more than eight minutes left in this episode, and I might have a delivery to my door that happens in the next, um, that... Unless the delivery driver's really late, he's going to happen in the middle of this episode. In which case, we're just going to have to deal with that. That is a situation which we will just have to accommodate. Like the third time a primitive alien has woken up in here. And we're like, hey, let's delete his memories. Maybe I, maybe I just missed that conversation where we can't delete his memories because of the uniqueness of his biology. But this is a pretty simple... Um, explanation it was like three minutes and picard's like yeah so um your planet was dying we saved you jean picard baby and he just puts his two hands open palmed hands on either side of his crotch you know i think i think this is a pretty simple explanation i mean yes the implications are staggering for these people but um it's a straightforward explanation they tell it to him he seems a reasonable guy, and they're going to take him to a new place. Like, what's 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 difficult to get here, man? Everything you know is wrong, but uh, welcome to the Federation. Have an ID card. Like, how difficult is this? Like, everything else is chicanery and chances. And at least being honest with people is its own reward. Lies, a lie cannot be permitted to stand. That's the words of Jean-Luc Picard. Whenever he convinced Worf to almost get himself killed fighting his, his commendation. Uh, Starfleet officer's first duty is to the truth. I don't know if you heard about that one. Um, as long as we're quoting Picard versus Picard. Because, um... Oh, look, a live omission is still alive. That's a good one. Oh man, Picard has so many quotes about telling the goddamn truth while he continues to dig himself deeper with this complete fucking falsehood. Also, does no one do a headcount worth your security? God fucking damn it. I think there's a minor plot about Worf helping this old guy out and the old guy trying to get his daughter with Worf. There must be no men left in the, this village of 12 people. <laughs> that is what their plan is going to be like. It's going to be like no intelligent life. 
and then 12 goddamn people. And apparently, goddamn Jean-Luc Picard is going to bounce down like, um... One second. I just read Piranesi, so I'm going to make a Piranesi reference. But I can't remember all the names of the motherfuckers. So you're just going to have to give me just a minute here. Fucking... Golby Quaflothy? Loki Arbago. Stuff and things. Whatever his name is. I'm going to get him. Maybe I should just Google it. Let me see here. His name is, uh, see, Catalog of Statues. The world's fascinating book. I just read it for this book club. We're doing a podcast about that. Worf was like, you're completely out of control. You saved these people's lives. Like, honestly, Nikolai Ruzhenko is not a bad guy here. Um, I think he has a lot of really sympathetic motivations and reasons for doing what he does that are very humanist, very Star Trek. And I feel like this episode leans against him a little bit. Um, which I think is unfair. I think this dude um, has good intentions and he violates the Prime Directive clearly. But there's no ulterior motive here. This isn't to like make himself a god or to benefit in some way from um, from that person. It is just to uh, to do what's right. Um, I think that's relatable. I think that's reasonable in that we don't interrogate the Prime Directive at all in here. Lawrence Arn Sales. Sales? Lawrence Arn Salas. Ugh, God. Anyway, Captain Picard's not going to pop down into the civilization of 16 people like Lawrence Arn Salas um, later on. Although, motherfucker might. I mean, he fucking could. It's the same principle, basically. They're just locking these people into a different world. Different world with different berries, different vegetation, different uh, meteorology, different geology. Different animals, different wildlife, different soil. Different microorganisms. Different tides, different moons. Different constellations. They do mention the constellations, actually. But, um... Motherfucker. Like, the, the implications of this are glossed over. And, it, like, it means that there's almost no core to our science fiction story. It's just a weird conflict powered by the Prime Directive, which boils down to our only real idea being here. It's two brothers. Two brothers that don't get along. Honestly, I have a brother. We don't get along that great. You did an okay job with the Star Trek. Neither great nor... bad. It's one of the most mediocre episodes, held together by a lot of hoods and a lot of hairspray, to be honest with you. Here's where we learn that Nikolai was stooping some of the locals. Before the cataclysm, Nikolai was actively, actively uh, interacting with this society. He was violating more than the prime directive, I guess you could say. He knocked this lady up all the way into space, motherfuckers. So, yeah. Yeah. This whole thing is bullshit. Like, Nikolai really fucked up. 
And I feel like he didn't fuck up because it was some strongly held principle. It was because he just got emotionally attached to these people, which is fair. I think it's reasonable within the context of Star Trek to get attached to the people that you are studying, to, to like them, to love them, to want them to live, to fucking root for them. It wouldn't be human not to. And to let them die because of policy, I think would violate a lot of the humanitas that's in Star Trek. And again, I feel like that should be our focus instead of Nikolai broke the rules. He's a rule breaker. What are we going to do about that? Oh, look, now we have to make decisions about the rules because those are the rules. It feels really constrained. And it feels like we're focusing on the wrong thing here. Oh, how about that put a security guard outside the door? Oh, were were you short on security officers 12 hours ago? You piece of shit. Fascinating discussion, but one which only exists within the... Which fails to question the constraints within which it has had. Which just says, hey, what are we going to do? He's upset. I mean, decent acting. People are distraught. Um, It's very cold and intellectual, though, at the end of it. Where he's like, hey. um, Maybe I'll be a madman, which would suck. Maybe I'll tell them the truth and they'll believe it. And that will undermine our entire spiritual belief system, which also allows for lines within pools of water to be portentous because we just fucking made that up. So I I think your spirituality is a little less core to your belief than you think. If you're willing to trust a random stranger from out of town to guide you to a promised land and take anything that glows and flickers as a good portent, I think maybe your dogma isn't quite set in stone it's a little more flexible than you may give it credit for we don't even know what it is that makes he's like oh this would destroy my society if we told them it's like what the fuck is it about your society that would make you what unique thing what unique thing is it about you and your people and it's nothing the answer is there's nothing we don't know we're assured these people have a culture that doesn't involve running through caves and um, writing things down a little folding pieces of paper, but we don't really think it's about. We don't know. But a dude cries, so I guess we're kind of sad about that. It's, it's it feels like a very Star Trek Voyager, maybe even I don't insult Star Trek, but I don't insult. <laughs> that that's an egregiously bad scene. Feels kind of Star Trek Picardian, where we just say these are the rules. He knows why we can't do um, A and B. And it's like, what about C, D, and E? Because I'm a person with a brain. Um, Worf would have cleaned his fucking clock. And <laughs> and then someone gets really emotional about it, who's a good actor. Um, so Worf and his brother are about to jujitsu each other. Because I, I kind of makes sense that Worf's older brother could jujitsu him. I... You, if your little brother was a Cleon Weeb and kicks your ass with that shit once, you're going to learn that Cleon Weeb shit yourself. I think that's perfectly normal <laughs> sibling relationship. I'm not going to say it's a healthy one. I'm just going to say it's how it went down in my family. So, um, nah, I believe it. I believe it. Worf is like, get in your tents. When we dematerialize you and then rematerialize you, your fucking, your fucking tents are going to keep you from noticing that fucking bullshit. 
God, this garbage. They just got to this planet. How do they know the perfect landing site that they're going to put them on that will also look like um, the campsite? Like, it looks pretty close. Like, how do they know? How do they know that? How do they do that in advance? I guess they have geological surveys, but at the same time, wow. Storms are over, I guess. Uh, quick thinking by Worf, by the way. Like, the holodeck starts breaking, and Worf was like, let's make storms that, that will reduce visibility. So. Hey, mission accomplished. These people are on a new fucking, new, new, new fucking planet. It's where they live now. It's different now. Everything's, no, no, nothing's the same. They don't know how to survive here. <laughs> they have been reset to fucking caveman status, the 15 people. Will they survive? Who fucking knows? Another episode where we're kind of denied a hard choice because someone kills themselves and we're all supposed to be really sad about it. Really? Just let him stay on the goddamn Enterprise. Like, would that have been so fucking hard? Oh, it was his fear of what was difference. And it's like, oh, all is well that ends well. No. No. You could have kept him on the Enterprise. Like you could have kept born on the Enterprise, but continuity you can't just have this guy wandering around the Federation learning how to be do things different. It was like such a rich culture. I would have loved to know them better. No, what what about their culture was rich or interesting? Nothing at all. He was afraid of change and killed himself. That's all we know about them. That's it. I'm not intrigued at all. I don't share Picard's wonder in their unique culture. It's just Another culture of weird a-holes on planets. Anyway, we got to wrap up the one conflict we do have into this story. Which is Worf and his brother. Which is his brother's decision to forego the pleasures of toilet paper and sonic showers to live amongst these motherfuckers instead of going to prison. Uh, honestly, I'd let him stay in prison. No, let him see here. I'll let him see here. So. Oh, their relationship is so rocky. Oh, they're so different. Maybe Nikolai Rozhenko loves to break rules. Maybe he's just a very independently minded guy. And it'll be fine if he stays here. If he's like to breaking rules, he will get all of these people murdered. But, um. Murdered by space deer. Everything on their planet is now the space version of what they are. So. You saved some people, you broke the rules, you should be in jail, you should be fired. I don't know how to feel about you, but uh, if you're going to stay with these dudes in this whole fucked up Petri dish we just made in space, fine, man. So fucking be it. Oh, yeah, he does have a kid. That's fair. And they act like it's always been irresponsible. Someone entrusted him with looking over this culture in the first place. But whatever. Worf is smiling now, so we understand they've mended their bridges. and He's changed a little bit, so that that's a character arc. And they hug. Yay! This is a happy ending because someone is smiling. We've mended this. No, that's a history. That's that, that's the history. You can't take that with you. 
It's part of the chronicle of this village. It's the one piece of their culture they gave us. We'll never see that those papers again. Worf is going to throw that straight in the bin. Yeah, Worf does have to explain to their parents. It's nice that they cover that. They don't just completely gloss over it. I'm trying to pick her, picture Sergi, uh, Sergey and uh, Alana Rojinko coming to this planet every so often to visit their son. They have all the specs and diagrams of this very simple piece of paper at home. Whatever, that's it. It's homeward. Neither bad nor good. Mediocre episode. Bye.